When I finished my army tour in 1945, I worked as a copy boy at the New York Herald Tribune, first full-time and then part-time after I returned to college. The pay was $16 a week. It was an exhilarating time and place in the newspaper world of that era, a bustling and colorful newsroom that reignited and fueled a young man's passion. On finishing college in 1947, I sought a reporter's job at each of the ten general daily newspapers that existed in New York at that time. Each turned me down, as did the Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism. The Wall Street Journal, then a small financial paper with 100,000 circulation, hired me at $40 a week. After that, I worked on copy desks, on rewrite, as a reporter in Germany and Britain and other lands, then as an editor in Chicago and New York. By age 30, I was managing editor of the journal. Later, I would become the journal's publisher, seeing its circulation pass two million, and simultaneously serve as the chief executive officer of its parent company, Dow Jones & Company. I would be elected president of the American Society of Newspaper Editors and would serve for ten years on the Pulitzer Prize Board, enjoying debates about our profession with some of the most respected editors of the day. Some of the things I learned over these years have found their way into this book as an insider's reflections on the practice and profession of journalism, as well as the personalities of some of its most colorful practitioners in the second half of the 20th century. After 45 years at the Journal and Dow Jones, I retired from operating responsibilities there, and in 1992, on the initiative of my wife Barbara, a writer, editor, and teacher, we together formed Bridgeworks Publishing Company to publish quality fiction and non-fiction books. We thus continued in the world of words, the world of ideas, and the world of writers and others with lively minds. American Bookseller, then the magazine of the American Booksellers Association, wrote in its November 1995 issue of Bridgeworks's Amazing Record with more than its share of winners. Looking back over these years, I find myself lucky beyond belief to have been able to make my way, with the help of so many generous souls in and out of the profession, from the cocooned life of a sheltered only child, short on self-confidence, to a world in which I could converse with newsmakers and history makers, from Germany's Chancellor Konrad Adenauer, Russia's Mikhail Gorbachev, China's Premier Zhou Enlai, and Britain's Margaret Thatcher, to Ronald Reagan, Jimmy Carter, George H. W. Bush, and leaders of American industry and finance. Because I was unwisely skipped by school officials through several elementary school grades, I graduated from high school at 14. The result was a child always much younger than his classmates, socially backward with the girls, not knowing such niceties as peeling and slicing an apple as a guest at dinner. Some may say that adds up to the picture of a precocious child. I would say it added up to the picture of a very immature, easily awed, and intimidated youth. What formative experiences enable such a kid to mature and move among colleagues and among business, political, and media leaders who once would have left him tongue-tied and in awe? That is all part of this story. Having a wife with smarts, ability, finely-tuned antennae, and unerringly keen instincts certainly was a large part of it. 
Another part was taking to heart the advice I heard the journal's former Chicago bureau chief, John McWethy, and the accomplished reporter Ray Vickers separately give to young reporters on many occasions. When you go into a grand sweeping office to interview a big-shot CEO, sitting behind a huge desk, just remember, he puts his pants on one leg at a time, just as you do. Only more often than not, they put it less elegantly and more earthily. Just remember that when he goes to the bathroom, he sits down on the pot the same way you do. Those influences and additional experiences helped the kid transform himself into a reporter, editor, and executive with more confidence than his early years would have indicated. I have encountered over the years many men and women addicted to name-dropping. I am always inwardly amused and think it a sign that they feel they must try to inflate their own importance by working into the conversation the names of celebrities they know and have recently encountered.